Just under three seconds to do it. Here's Chauncey Phillips. Here it is. He's got it. He's got it. Chauncey Phillips hits the three. Overtime. Eisenman picks it up. Eisenman moving. Blue line chance. The Detroit Lions select Panay Sewell, tackle, Oregon. And when you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off. Detroit, Michigan. Oh, yeah. Detroit, Michigan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode four of the Detroit vs. Everybody podcast. Thank you, everyone, for joining. We have a jammed packed show here today. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about the Olympics that are going on right now. We're going to talk some Red Wings draft, a little excitement in the air about the Red Wings. And then of course, this upcoming Thursday, we have the NBA draft. We'll get into some MLB trade deadline. We'll talk a little Tigers, little Lions, and then we have an exciting jersey giveaway that we're going to announce here from the top. But before we get into all that, everybody, Cole, Ace, How's everybody doing today? Doing good today. Um, got to watch the Wings draft last Friday. Pistons draft on Thursday. And I'm a big draft guy, so I mean, I'm in I'm in the right spot. I'm in the right time. But I'm doing good. How about you, Ace? Hey, doing pretty good today. You know, the Olympics have started, so we're tuned into that. Uh, rooting on uh, our countrymen and women. And uh, also, you know, the Tigers are on the road now, so we've uh, taken our licks as we've gotten away from yeah. America. So. Uh, we'll have to talk through that as well. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. A little, I know Cole spun the positivity wings. We got the wings doing well. We got um, the we got the Pistons draft this week, but the 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 Tigers a rough couple days here. They play the Minnesota Twins tonight. Um, hopefully, they can get back on the winning track. Before we get into everything today, though, like I said, we had our jersey giveaway. Cole, you want to talk a little bit about that from the top? Yeah, so we posted on our Twitter a picture of a Ben Wallace jersey, and as all you guys know, Ben Wallace was the reason we got the number one pick in the draft. So <clears throat> all you had to do was like and retweet the tweet. There was, uh, I forget the number of people, but we put them all into a random name gem- generator, and I would like to wish a congratulations to Dirty Mike and the Boys. Congrats. Dirty Mike and the Boys. Congrats, Dirty Mike. The Ben Wallace jersey's coming your way. We'll reach out on Twitter this week and get the uh, shipping info from you. But, yeah, congrats. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty awesome. That's a cool jersey. Um, hope to do more stuff like that in the future. We appreciate everyone for, for spreading the word on the podcast. Um, and, and just, uh, just want to say thank you, and, and that's a way to show our support. So, um, we'll transition now into the episode, and as I kicked off at the beginning, we're, first we're going to talk about what's going on in the world of sports right now, and the big thing I think that we've all been watching is the Olympics, right? Like, happens every, what, two years, but the Summer Olympics happens every four years, and so it's been pretty cool. Before we get into maybe our favorite memory, what is the like most unique sport in the Olympics that you like watching that's a little off the radar? And I got one, and I can go first, and that would be Team Handball. Love team handball. I think that should be a mainstream sport. I think I would have played that if it was a high school sport. It's pretty much like dodgeball on steroids with a goalie. Um, love team handball, so that would be my pick. Cole Ace, you got any ideas? Um, 
Uh, one of my, I don't know if it's the most unique, but my favorite event to watch this year is three on three basketball. Our our women's team is a wagon. It is, and it's actually really fun. Yes, it's high pace. Yes. It gets over kind of quick. I mean, I agree with one that. One of our girls made a free throw, and you just take it right out of the hoop, and then they hit a three on us. Yeah. So there's just I love that, and uh, <laughs> our team's good. So that's always that always helps to root for. Yeah, I think for me, uh, it's not a new sport or a unique sport, but I really find myself drawn to watching women's beach volleyball. <laughs> that is probably the uh, the one sport that I have the most interest in. Uh, yeah, attaboy, Ace. Uh, appreciate that. Another one I would say is like the fencing, or yeah. uh, that's pretty hot, like fast pace and yep. fun to watch too. So cool sports, but as I said. We were talking about, leading up to the Olympics, some of our favorite memories. And I think that may, might be a good thing to share on the podcast is, hey, what is your either your first or your favorite, your most memorable Olympic moment? Talking uh, Summer Olympics recall. here. Summer Olympics, right. Correct. Yeah. So mine would be uh, 2008, the 4x100-meter swim relays. Um, that was the year that we had Phelps and Lezak and a couple other guys and the French team came in. They were the favorite. They were talking a bunch of shit before the race. Um, they were quoted saying, we're going to smash them. That's what we came here for. We ended up setting the world record by four seconds. Mm. We were uh, down by a whole second when the last 50 meters and Jason Lezak came back on the French. And Phelps got his gold medal. So that, that was really cool. And uh, just a little side note, the 4 by 100 meter relay was last night as well. We took gold again. Yep. We were five one-hundredths of a second away from being disqualified on the last leg. We almost left early, but... It sounds like perfect timing. But instead, it was just the greatest start in the history of swimming. So, <laughs> But yeah, that's my favorite relay. Uh, I remember watching it with a couple buddies, and it was just... Uh, it was really fun. And I, I was only 11... So that's how you know, like if I can still remember it just like it was yesterday, that that's a great moment. Yeah. Ace, what about you? All right, so I'm going to spin off that one a little bit. So that was one of eight gold medals that Michael Phelps won during the uh, 2008 Olympics in uh, Beijing. So prior to that, so I'm going to go back a little bit, and you youngsters aren't going to remember this, but prior to Michael Phelps uh, owning the 2008 Olympics, uh, the Americans did have one swimmer that won seven gold medals. This was in Munich, 1972. His name is Mark Spitz. So I was a young toddler, probably wasn't paying much attention to it. Um, but Mark Spitz won seven golds. And more amazing, Spitz set world records in all seven events where he won gold. So that's a pretty cool ac accomplishment. So think about that, 1972. So it was 36 years later. So as I'm turning into my uh, teens and 20s and 30s, um, it's that long. And you kept hearing about Mark Spitz, the greatest Olympian ever, right? So obviously we know, you know, Michael Phelps uh, went on to set, uh, when he was in his prime, 39 world records before his retirement. However, the only individual world record still held by Phelps is what? Individual. You guys got any idea? No clue. 100-meter breaststroke. The 400-meter individual medley. That's the only world record to date still owned uh, by Michael Phelps as we go forward here. So, Cole hit on it. You know, the best race. I agree with him. Uh, but just as an Olympian overall, Mike, Mike Phelps, eight gold medals in the 2008 Olympics in Beijing. Yeah, that's a good pick. And I remember hearing as Phelps was coming up all about this Mark Spitz 
and uh, obviously I'm I'm a little I'm younger, so I, I didn't get to see him. But um, but yeah, I wish I could have seen him and been a part of that. It sounds like it was, like it was awesome. Uh, for me, it it also comes from that 2008 Beijing Olympics. Ironically, that must have been like maybe the best Olympics that we've seen. Is um, I had the I had the Phelps and Lezak relay, um, but for me it was the Team USA men's basketball team, and it was Kobe Bryant versus Spain. Um, the Redeem team. As you recall, in 2004, we went to the Olympics and we took bronze medal in men's basketball. And that was an embarrassing showing for a team that is considered to be and was by far the best in the world. But the second best team was that Spain team. And so Kobe Bryant, I remember waking up about ready to go to school, start at like 6 a.m. one morning and just watching Kobe Bryant um, in the clutch. R.I.P., of course, to Kobe, one of my favorite athletes of all time. But just dominating that Spain team and restoring the gold medal for Team USA. So that was one of my favorite memories. The other one is Usain Bolt. Um, he stands out as a huge summer athlete. I know not American, but he was – he and you still – if you say the name Usain Bolt, most people around the world know who that is. Um, and, and so that was a standout. I think he won golds in the 100 and 200 in three straight Olympics, 2008, 2012, and 2016. So that's a big one. Um, and then one that I wanted to shout out to that obviously I wasn't alive for, but Jesse Owens in 1936, uh, he won the gold in the 100, 200 long jump and the four by 100 relay. And that was in 1936 in Berlin, Germany. And he had the picture of him putting his fist up. Um, so just think about the historical context of that at the time. That was awesome. That's one of my favorite moments. Anytime I see that picture of all time so easily. Um, awesome. So yeah, the Olympics are going on right now. It, it's fun. We're watching them every night. I'm recording them. So I'd encourage you to check them out if you haven't yet. Um, next, let's move over. There's been some important sports action in the last week, and that's the NBA championship was crowned. Um, Cole, you want to talk about it a little bit? Yeah, uh, congrats to the Bucks. Yeah. I, I don't really think there's a superstar as likable as Giannis is. Um, so it was really cool to see him win a title. And that game six performance was just insane. I, he went for 50 points. Couldn't have, couldn't have been better. 50 is so much better than 51. Um, it's just easier, rolls off the tongue. But, yeah, congrats to the Bucks, and hopefully we'll be there in a couple years. I, I, yeah, I think the only reason I follow this is it was good to see. I think Chris Middleton in game five uh, pretty much owned that in Phoenix. Yeah. So he's a former Piston. <laughs> Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't really care who won the NBA championship if it's not the, if it's not the Pistons. Yeah, and I was reading uh, Ace here, a little sour on NBA at times, um, but I was reading a note. Ace put in the, the cliff notes of our uh, of our agenda here, does anyone care who won the championship? I have a resounding yes, Ace, because this is a win for the anti-super teamers. Yes. All right? For those, the Piston fans that grew up with all the outcasts, Chauncey, Rashid, Rip, Tayshawn, Ben. This is a win for fans of that team, which is us. Um, so I was a fan of it. I know the viewers may have been down compared to because you didn't have some of the other uh, high-profile names. But I think if you're an anti-super teamer or, uh, or just prefer to watch something else, I said it was a win for that. My last note, I'm glad you brought up Chris Middleton. Does anyone know who the Pistons acquired in the Chris Middleton trade? I'll give you two seconds. No. Pistons acquired Brandon Jennings in 2013 for Brandon Knight, Chris Middleton, who was kind of a throw-in, and Slava Kravtsov. So 2013, he averaged 23-7-5 in these playoffs. So yeah, shout out Chris Middleton. Um, that was awesome to see. 
Uh, so that's, I guess, what we got in what's going on around sports now. So I'm excited now to transition to our next topic, and that's the Detroit Red Wings and analyzing and breaking down some of our top picks in the draft. Um, overall, how'd you guys feel about the Wings draft? Uh, I liked it. I, I watched the draft with Ace, and he seemed to be happy. So, uh, yeah, I liked it. And just kind of scrolling through Twitter, seems like everybody kind of felt the same way. Yeah. Uh, we hit on a couple guys. Um, but, yeah, I, I liked it. Yeah, I think, you know, starting out, I really liked the first two picks. You know, <clears throat> last week I talked about maybe the Sebastian Cosa and, and the Wings had an interest in him. And, yeah. and now we know that, hey, we did have a real interest there. And yeah. I think uh, – Anytime you dra- your first two draft picks are uh, six five and six six, a goaltender six six and a and a D man six five, we can stack them right next to Panay Sewell for the Lions. And, <laughs> you know, we got a front line there. Um, I thought after that maybe there was a little bit of reach uh, in some of the picks, and I think maybe some of that has to do with the fact that you know during the pandemic the scouts aren't going to all the different arenas. Yeah, they're not seeing all the people play. So there's a couple picks in there. They had a little bit of a homer feeling to me where we reached. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, some ties to maybe the director of scouting, Chris Draper, uh, yep. you know, kind of proved out there on a couple of those picks. So, uh, but really like uh, the first two uh, with the defenseman and the goalie. Yeah, that and that's a great point, Ace. Um, and the other thing is that I think with this rebuild of the Red Wings that Stevie Y started a few years back, if you compare that to how we look at the man, the GM of the Detroit Tigers, you just trust Stevie Y with those reaches more. Do you know what I mean? Like you just kind of you're like, hey, he's hit on some of those before. Um, you gotta trust him. Um, and, and so I, I totally agree. It was hard. I think we took a guy with our last pick that actually hasn't played in a hockey league in over a year because they didn't play in Canada this last year in the league that he's playing in. So a whole bunch of different challenges there. But now let's get into kind of breaking down each of the top three picks and we'll all kind of tackle one or um or or, or the other and so i'd love to talk about simone edvinson the lefty defenseman that we took um at at sixth overall i know ace you said six five he might be six five six six in skates i got him listed at six four one ninety eight i don't know why they didn't just put 200 (laughs) we're going for accurate there six four one ninety eight he's 18 years old right now as i said he's a lefty defenseman from Frölunda in Sweden, and this kid is smooth. That's the thing that um, you read the scouting reports on him, you hear from his coaches, uh, you look at everyone who's been around, he is smooth. He can lead a rush and move the puck into the zone, and he can play on the blue line as well. So he can do it all. He's a very good skater for his size. They, I think average speed, but they say he's great on his edges. He can move around, he can skate. Um, and so if you think about him, he's a great defender, Um and he's all like I didn't say this, but he's also known as a strong defender. So I talked a lot about his offense there, but he's also he's very edgy. He wants to get in on the action. He's got that size. He's going to continue bulking up. Um, and so if you think about the skill set that he has, pairing him up with a with a Moritz Sider, who we hit on a couple years ago, who's more of that physical bruiser. He's a righty. He's a big dude as well. I think his offensive game still needs to continue developing, but Edvinson is more of that puck possession D-man. He can bring it in. He's a little more agile. He's got the physical aspect, but I know I've been talking about in the playoffs all year um, what wins in the NHL now is big mobile defensemen, and we got Simone Edmondson who has the high... So he was the second rated defenseman in the entire draft. Um, but maybe has just as much 
potential as the number one pick, Owen Power. So I love the pick. I think he pairs well with our rebuild timeline. Um, and so I was a very big fan of it. I know I talked about McTavish last week. I think he went three overall, which is higher than most experts expected. He was a center prospect I was interested in. But love Edvinson, great pick. Um, and so any thoughts on him before we get Yeah, do? I think, uh, you know, one of the uh, things that Stevie Y does, he wants the best available. But when the best available also fits a need for the team, uh, then, then you got a double win there. In this yep. case, the wings going into the draft only had one defenseman signed that was left-handed shot. So mm-hmm. uh, that was definitely a weakness that he addressed with two of the first three picks. Yep. So we'll talk more about the third-round pick here in a little bit. Yeah. Awesome. So let's move on to the next pick. And so the Red Wings had a later first-round pick that we acquired from Washington in the Anthony Mantha trade this year. And there was kind of rumors, and we had we had 12 picks in the draft, and we have a de- like a lot of prospects in the pipeline, so we only have so many spots um, to fill there. And so we ended up trading several picks throughout the draft and, and making eight selections, I believe. And so we traded a few, and one of those trades was we moved up from where we were picking in the first round um, and to select this next guy, Sebastian Kosa, a goalie. <clears throat> yeah, so we moved up from 23 to 15, where we ended up picking Sebastian Kosa. Kosa is 6'6", 215 pounds, and he's very athletic. Mm. Um, last season, he went 17-1-1 with an average of 1.5 goals per game. So, that I mean, that's pretty solid. Yeah. Anytime you can go 17-1-1, you got to take notice of that. Um, and if you recall, Stevie Y did a very similar thing when he took over with the Lightning. He got Ben Bishop in the offseason to kind of be the starter and then draft Vasilevsky. Yeah. Four years after that, Vasilevsky took over. And four more years after that, Vasilevsky won the Vesna and the Conn Smythe. And now the Lightning have won two straight Stanley Cups. So let's hope we can uh, let's hope we can swing and hit like he did with Vasilevsky. Yeah. Um, a lot of people were thinking when the Wings traded up that they were going to go with Wallstead. But... Uh, Iserman wanted Kosa, obviously, and he got his guy. And then uh, a lot of people were saying maybe we traded up too far. Well, you look at the Minnesota Wild, they traded up to 20, and they took a goalie. So if we wanted Kosa, uh, you might as well trade up. We only gave up our first and then two later picks. And in a draft like this, you want to try and load yourself up with the top-end talent that th- that's there. So I like the pick. I know Kosa was seventh on Ace's big board, yeah. so I was thrilled about that. Um, we talked about Kosa at potentially pick six last week. So to get him at 15, I like the pick. Um, I would also like to announce that I'm fired up for hockey season. I've, I've never been a bit like a huge hockey guy. But I've started to take notice, and I'll watch the Wings next year. I'm excited. Let's go. Love to hear it. And before a- I left Ace comment on his guy, Kosa, after the breakdown he did last week, I just want to say, and Ace, may, you may have talked about this, is the when you think about the final four teams in the playoffs this past year, all of them started goalies that were drafted in the first round. So, yeah, you can develop goaltenders, but when it comes to the top-end talent, coming out as a goalie it's almost irreplaceable and so um i think it's a path to success uh and and so i love the pick i love the trade up um it it was a it was a home run and kosa had a lot of helium late in the process whereas wallstedt was a goalie that a lot of people were targeting um since the beginning of the year he had an up and down world juniors i watched him i wasn't terribly impressed um he could be a good player but but kosa had a ton of helium and so I think most people actually looked at him as just as good, if not a better goalie prospect. Um, Ace, anything on Kosa? 
Uh, yeah, Kosa, but, you know, before we talk Kosa, leading up to the draft, uh, Stevie Y made a trade, um, which really solidified the goaltending situation in Detroit now. And then what will come, you know, Kosa will be a guy. And then he fixed the, really, the uh, the uh, training minor league system, really, uh, with Kosa, the Kosa pick. Because now we have somebody that we say, hey, you know, we drafted a guy at 15 overall, the best goalie. Uh, in Eiserman's eyes that was available. Yeah. And there's somebody that we can count on in the future. But uh, I think it was really a key trade that he made prior to the draft. Yeah. We got the uh, Carolina goalie. Alex Nijelkovic is his name. And I, great, great point to bring up. I had a quick note in here. He was third in the Calder Cup or Calder Trophy this year, which is Rookie of the Year in the NHL. He played for the Carolina Hurricanes team that were one of the best defensive teams and one of the best teams overall in the league. So they, it came to a point where their cap, their cap was to, so strapped that, and they wanted to go with a veteran goalie, and they can't afford to um, put a like a restricted qualifying offer out to this goalie, and so they were just looking to move him. Um, and, and so cap issues caused another problem for a team in the league. Fortunately, Stevie Y has set up the wings over the last several years where we don't have to worry about that. Now we have we have sucked. But that's um, part of it. So great point, Ace. Yeah. So he, you know, he went to Carolina, had a great season last year. Ends up as Evan said, or uh, third in the uh, league in the Rookie of the Year voting. But prior to last year, every team in the league had a chance to get this guy because he was put on waivers. Yeah. Nobody claimed him. Right. And then he has this season. So um, you know, we probably got to temper our expectations a little bit. But at the same time, I, I really applaud uh, Stevie Y and trying to fix uh, a couple of holes. Uh, glaring holes that we had uh, in the net. So he did one, which we'll fix next year, yep. and then he uh, invested in our future with the, the Costa signing. And, you know, the thing that, that Stevie Y says and, and a lot of the uh, talking heads uh, <laughs> with regards to Costa, he's 6'6", but he's one of the most athletic goalies they've seen. So it's mm. not just size. I like that. Uh, and, and, you know, Stevie, you know, he, he is going to say it like it is. You know, what did he like about him? And uh, if you listen to Stevie Wise comments, uh, he does a good job at stopping the puck. So he broke it down in the simplest form. That's what you want your guy to do. The shots on net, you got to stop them. So uh, real happy with yeah. that, uh, with the trade up to get Costa at 15. Yep, love that, and love the Najelkovic signing too. If you, if anyone wants to go for a nice laugh, just search Alex Najelkovic on Twitter and look at all the Hurricane fans or just NHL fans saying. Like, what does Stevie Y have pictures of other GMs? How is he doing all these moves? Because I think we gave up, like, next to nothing, a late pick or something. Yeah. Um, and that was pretty much it. Uh, we gave up an expiring contract with Jonathan Bernier as well. Um, so, yeah, thievery. Hurricanes fans were up in arms. Uh, love that. Um, Ace, do you want to have anyone else from, from some of the later picks that you want to highlight or touch on? Well, there's a couple guys that, you know, one, in, in uh, another thing that we learned from Stevie, um, Cole refers to this guy, I think, as Liam Neeson. But yeah. what's his real name? Nilsson? It's probably like Nielsen. Yeah, but, it's okay. uh, Liam Dower Nilsson. Yeah. Okay, so I think Stevie referred to him actually as Dower. So uh, one of the comments that I really liked is uh, the Red Wings uh, obviously uh, really respect the Swedish Hockey League. And, uh, you know, a lot of the guys, you know, a lot of Swedes get drafted by Detroit. But one thing that Stevie said as they're doing these interviews, uh, he would ask a question to some of the other uh, players that play in Sweden. And he would say, 
If you if we drafted you and you could bring one other player with you, who would it be? And the answer that uh, everybody said uh, was this Nielsen. Um, Dower Nielsen from the Swedish Hockey League. So, yeah. you know, you, you look at that and say, all right, man, this, there's something about this kid. I think he was a captain of his team. Um, so, yeah, that was good. I like that guy. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, I, I like that too. And he's best friends with Simone Edvinson, which I thought was pretty cool too. Edvinson um, was actually with Nielsen when he got drafted. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but drafting a guy named Red Savage followed up by Liam Neeson. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, it, and – I want to just touch on a couple other guys real quick. Uh, another guy we traded up for, actually, in that second round was a guy, I may be butchering the name here, Shai Booyim. You got you you know anything about Shai Booyim? Yeah, yeah. So what you got? He's actually the guy I'm going to feature here. So, um, so Shai Booyim, 6'3", left-handed defenseman, 214 pounds. Um, so another big guy. You know, he, he weighs more than what uh, Simone does, but 6'3", 214, and a left-handed defenseman. So I mentioned earlier mm. that uh, Stevie Y was trying to fill a, a, a need with top prospects. Um, in 50 uh, United States Hockey League games last year, he had four goals, 22 assists. He's from California, played for the Sioux City Musketeers, and uh, this year he'll probably play with the Uni- University of Denver, one of the top uh, college hockey teams uh, in the nation. Uh, Stevie traded up from, uh, he, he gave away the 38th pick and the 128th pick uh, to move to 36. Probably didn't have to. Uh, most, scout, most scouting uh, forecasters had, had him pro- uh, projected in the 50s. Uh, but another defenseman, left-handed defenseman, fills a need for the wings. Uh, again, that's uh, Shea Byam. Yeah, I uh, so I, I was reading up on him a little bit too because um, – like you said, may not have had to trade up. The Red Wings had him graded easily in the first round as a first-round prospect, and there were some mock drafts later that had him kind of included on the tail end there. So um, Chris Draper said, we project him as a top-four defenseman. He's going to be a top-four defenseman for us. And so I love that. Sounds like he's smooth, calm. Uh, some of the other names, Cole mentioned Red Savage. I think he's a captain for U18, USA team. Um, so anytime you're getting a captain there, and the dude – so, Red Savage, I got Red Savage, Carter Mazur, who's a, I, I think he's a winger, and then uh, Pasquale Zito, who we took in the last round, all winger. Um, I was reading the scouting report for all three of those dudes, guys that just work end to end, they bust their tail, um, they want to kill penalties, they want to get, they're going to do the dirty stuff, do the grinding, and when you think about the Red Wings pipeline, I'm starting to see a huge strength and defense in some of their prospects. We have a ton of defensive prospects, and all you can hope for is a swing and a hit, right? Like, you're going to miss on some, but since we're building that out, that's awesome. But seeing some of these, like, high-energy grinder guys that we're taking, too, um, I'm excited about that because you need those to fill out a, a championship and a playoff team. So, um, overall, I thought the draft went really well. I think all the experts you're reading kind of all across the board on the wings, anywhere from, like, B, B+. Plus, um, just because of, like Ace said at the beginning, we did um, – perceived reach on a couple of those guys but um i think at this point we trust stevie to to do the reaching um and so i was happy with the draft and especially those two picks in the first round where you're getting top end talent yeah red savage for the you old school guys was the son of longtime nhl player brian savage nice yeah so um you older guys might know that um next let's move on to uh maybe a little subtraction to the wings 
and that was uh, the Seattle Kraken actually had their uh, their draft last week. And uh, for those of you that were following, so they had a televised, planned televised draft, I think on Wednesday evening on ESPN. And then at, they had the deadline to submit like the names that that were picked at noon for the Kraken. So all the names just started coming out on Twitter, Facebook, everywhere. So the, the televised was was totally pointless. Everyone was ESPN gonna need to do better next time. There's a there's a um, expansion team in any of the leagues because that was a that was a catastrophe. But um, the Kraken from the Red Wings, uh, it kind of came down to two players: a lefty defenseman in Dennis Kowalski and a righty defenseman in Troy Stetcher. And I wanted to keep Stetcher. He's a guy we signed last year from Vancouver. Um, he's an analytics stud. The analytics community loves Troy Stetcher. He's fast. He's mobile. Um, he's puck possession guy. Um, I know we weren't great last year, but he showed some signs of, of having some positivity. But the Kraken took Dennis Chalowski, um, who was a former first-round pick for the Wings in 2016. So, yeah, not great that we swung and missed on a 2016 first-rounder. Uh, but he's a left-hander. He's been on the Red Wings since 2018. And so he's had a chance to prove to the Red Wings coaching and, and management that he's a guy. Um, he has some offensive potential at times, but the big thing is we have seen zero defensive development from Chalowski, and he is an absolute liability as a left-handed defenseman. He can, He's not good enough to play top line. He can play out on the power play some, but just there wasn't nothing there. So maybe a change of scenery will help him out, hopefully. Uh, but I'm so happy that Troy Stetcher stays put. He's more of a veteran. I think Chalowski was 23, 24. Stetcher is like 27, 26. Um, so he's a veteran. Uh, we get that righty defenseman. So I'm excited about that. Um, I think, Ace, you maybe want to talk about an addition to the Wings over the last week. Yeah, so again, another trade uh, prior to the draft. Uh, Stevie Y pulled off a trade to get a veteran defenseman. Uh, Nick Letty from the New York Islanders. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, you, if you look at him. So the trade, he <laughs> traded uh, Richard Panic and the number 52 pick in the draft to get Letty. So, you know, what are we getting in Nick Letty? Well, first of all, and probably the most important, he's a Stanley Cup champion. Mm-hmm. All right? So we got a very young team here. And uh, to, get a, to get a guy that's been uh, in the playoffs and a Stanley Cup champion is very valuable. This year for the Islanders, 31 points, 2 goals, 29 assists in the 2021 season and you know just as equally important played in 19 stanley cup playoff games this year alone with the islanders making it to the semifinals hugely important um so you look at you know he was a he was a first round selection in the 2009 draft 776 regular season games and 121 playoff games after after making the playoffs 25 straight straight years the Wings haven't been there in five years, so he has probably as much uh, playoff experience <laughs> as the entire roster in Detroit right yeah. now, as young as we are. Yeah. He's got one season remaining on a seven-year contract, but probably the most important thing is he's played in winning cultures in Chicago, won the Cup with the Blackhawks, and then in the in the New York Islanders. So you think about the type of guy that you want to mentor, maybe a, a more cider next year. Yeah. You know, maybe he plays on a line with Nick Letty. But you know, the other thing that that uh, Stevie Y did after the draft was he re-signed Mark Stahl as well. So Stahl will be coming back to Detroit. So he's got a choice of a couple of veterans there that he can pair up with Sider as he makes his uh, Red Wing debut uh, later on this fall. Yeah, that, that's great. And I love that, uh, that acquisition as well, like you said. When you think about transitioning from a rebuilding team 
to a team that needs to develop and move towards contention. Nick Letty is a guy like that. He can play on the power play or the penalty kill and probably be our best defenseman at either one. Um, so love that. Um, love the acquisition uh, of Letty. He can do it all. Um, he, Like you said, he provides that veteran presence for a team that badly needs it and will need it going forward. So um, love that acquisition as well. So um, that wraps up the most of the Red Wings draft talk. I think one quick thing I wanted to do left is... Maybe let's talk about Red Wings in 2021, 2022. And if you had to pick one breakout player, who would that player be for you, Ace? Well, hopefully it's going to be the captain, Dylan Larkin. Yeah. Because I think we're still waiting for him to put it all together. But we need a leader there. But the guy I'm going to pick, and, and you know, maybe 21, 22 is a little bit early. But I'm going to throw this name out there, and it's Jonathan Bergeron. Mm. He was a 2018 second-round pick, 33rd overall. And I've heard Stevie Y talk about him already, so I know he's in the plans. Yeah. Um, This kid uh, had 45 points in 49 games last year with Skeleftas, AIK of the Swedish Hockey League. So, once again, you see Stevie Y, uh, you know, getting his players in the Swedish Hockey League. He's a playmaker more than a scorer of his 45 points. Mm -hmm. He had 12 goals and 33 assists. So, Definitely someone that is going to make things happen uh, around the net for the Wings. So it may be a little bit early, but halfway through this season, I wouldn't mind seeing Mr. Bergeron uh, make his debut with the Wings. Yeah, I agree. And I've seen some clips of him. Dude is smooth with a puck. Great skater. Um, I think he's a center as well. Is that right, Ace? Right right wing. He's right wing. Okay, I think he's played some center. Um, We need some center prospects. And so that actually tails well with um, my guy. So... I was looking for who I would want the breakout to be. Um, A couple top-end guys that I considered but didn't pick. Number one is uh, Bertuzzi, Tyler Bertuzzi, uh, because he was out for almost all of last year, and I think he's such a crucial guy for this team. Now, he's a restricted free agent right now. We need to get it. Um, come to agreement on a contract there. But I think he could break out next year on a more complete Detroit Red Wings team. Mo Sider, Moritz Sider, he could have been a pick. Um, I think he'll show promise at times, but he could go through some bumps next year in his first season in the NHL. But the guy I'm going with is 21-year-old center Joe Veleno. And he is a guy that can play some center, can play some wing. Um, he can kind of do it all. He he got called up to the wings last year, scored his first goal. I think he played in the last like 10 or 12 games. But we had loaned him to... Um, to a Swedish team for the season because we weren't sure if the NHL or uh, the minor leagues were going to play. And so we loaned him over there, went over there, spent time on the big ice, learning and refining his skills, focusing on being a two-way center and developing that part of his game because in Swedish Hockey League, they focus so much on that defensive aspect. And so he got some tutelage over there. He's come back. I could see him being um, like a Darren Helm type when Helm was in his prime where he's just flying all over the ice, killing penalties, um, just hustling and doing the dirty work, and then developing that scoring touch as well. So Joe Valeno is my choice, uh, Canadian, 21-year-old center, left wing. He can play both spots. Uh, we'll see where he breaks out. Uh, but that's fun. That's fun to think about those breakout guys going into next year. Um, hopefully, we can keep adding more and more talent this off season. We'll see how the free agency works out. But um, that kind of wraps up the Red Wings talk. And now we're going to transition over to the draft that we got going on this week. So moving from one draft to the next draft, and that's the Detroit Pistons draft. And we have the number one overall pick, boys. Do you realize that? I do. We got number one. We won. 
Kind of. We lost to win. Yeah, but we are winners. <laughs> I agree. All right. And so next what we're going to do, is, when you look at number one, it's pretty much known through the NBA circles and the scouting circles that assuming we keep the pick, it's going to be one of three guys, right? It's going to be one of Kate Cunningham, Jalen Green, or Evan Mobley. Um, it's going to be one of those three. Widely expected to be one specifically, but there, we want to give you a couple other options. So, Cole, I want you to make the argument right now for Cade Cunningham to the Detroit Pistons. Okay, I will. So, Cade Cunningham, he's 6'8", 220. He's got a 7'1 wingspan. Oof. A lot of people are saying he could be a Luka Doncic type of player. Did you read my notes? I did not. I thought there was no way somebody would bring that up. I kind of agree with that, except a little more taller and athletic. Yeah, so... Um, he's a he's a good passer, good offense, good defense. I mean, he's Big Twelve Player of the Year. He he's not like insanely athletic, yep. but he uses his body to find space. He's a very smart basketball player. Um, so last year at Oklahoma State, he averaged twenty point six rebounds, four assists, and he shot forty percent from three. And he wasn't just like one or two a game. He attempted six threes a game. Yeah. So that's a he's a good shooter and he's a volume shooter. So, um, and that you gotta think like that's every team playing him had Cade Cunningham circled as like we gotta yeah. stop this guy. So averaging that with all the defenses focused on you, I mean he's an All NBA, he's a perennial All NBA guy, perennial All Star. He should be the pick. Um, and then an underrated thing I like is he's embracing the city of Detroit. Yeah. Um, we haven't, unless we've told him that like we're picking him. <laughs> it's really cool. To, like he went to Comerica. He only worked out for Detroit. He said he's excited to go to Detroit. So I think that's really cool. So in my eyes, it's got to be Cade Cunningham. Yeah, yeah. I, I hard for me to disagree with that. Um, I'm going to make the argument for Jalen Green, but I want an asterisk noted at the front <laughs> that I want Cade Cunningham, and I don't think anyone else should be the pick. But on that note. Let me be Jalen Green's agent for a second, all right? He's a 6'6'2 guard. He played, maybe you folks haven't heard of him as much as Cade Cunningham or the Evan Mobley, but that's because last year he played in the G League Ignite League. So as you know, the NBA G League launched a league for those college pros- or high school prospects coming out that, hey, come play on this specific G League team. We'll coach you up. We'll play against um, some, some NBA caliber players. And... Um, and in turn, will pay you X amount of money. And so rather than college, it gives them a little alternative. Now, with the recent NIL law, that may have changed a little bit going forward. But that's to so on and so forth, Jalen Green is a quick-twitch, athletic, explosive athlete with the ability to create his own shot whenever he wants it. In any other draft, he would be 1-1, no doubt. Um now I'm now I'm turning into Kate Cunningham's agent. Okay, so you got that Jalen Green. Oh, Jalen Green will lead the league in scoring one day. I have zero doubt about that. He's an all-star player. Um, but now I'm, let me just be Kate Cunningham's agent for a second. He needs to develop his playmaking a little bit. So he's six six guard. He's probably more of a two, um, but he is very good with the ball in his hands. So you kind of want a guy that can make plays for others as well. Needs to develop that part of his game um, and also extremely poor on defense this past year. Um, I don't know if that was lack of effort, lack of focus, or whatever else, but he has ho- he wasn't good on defense. Um, he has some 
skills that are a little lacking and then his decision making is not great so um, I, I think there's some downfalls there but let me go back to Jalen Green's agent he would be 1-1 in any other draft will lead the league in scoring one day explosive I look at him like a Zach Levine but probably like a better shooter better scorer um, so yeah that's my Jalen Green all right so I'm gonna throw something out there right so um, first pick overall if we stay with the first pick overall, I think the consensus is we take Cade Cunningham. We're not; none of us are going to argue against that. However, who's our GM? Troy Weaver. Troy Weaver. You talking about Trader Troy <laughs> Weaver? So let me just throw something out there, boys. Evan Mobley. If we take the Rockets' offer of the second overall pick in this year's draft. The first in 22, and potentially the first in 23. We don't want to have anything to do with their second two first-round picks in the 21 draft at spots 23 and 24. But if we can get number two this year, number one in 22 and number one in 23, draft Devin Mobley. Um, Mobley, 16 points, nine rebounds a game, shot 58% from the floor. Don't accept the trade. Potential to be the defensive player of the year and can shoot the ball for a big man. So you guys know I got a man crush on somebody that will be coming out in the 22 draft, right? Any guesses? Yeah, Chet yeah, Holmgren. Holmgren. Gonzaga's seven-foot center, Chet Holmgren, who was probably the only center in the league that could play all five positions in the NBA. That's right, a seven-foot point guard. Now, he won't play that position, but if you haven't seen this, he's not much to look at, but if you haven't seen him play... You need to check out Chet Holmgren's, Holmgren's game. So if there's any chance we can double up first-round picks next year, who knows? You know, maybe we're in the top five and we get Holmgren next year. So Evan Mobley, Trader Troy, uh, trades Cade Cunningham to the Houston Rockets for Evan Mobley and two other number one picks, 22 and 23. Ace, would you accept that trade right now if you're Troy? I probably would not. Out of boy. But... But, I mean, think about it. But, you know, draft picks are only as good as the guys they're, they're picking. And, you know, it's really a chance here. Uh, Cade Cunningham, I saw another, uh, you know, who are the, the, the best? Um, who does Cade Cunningham compare to? Or how does he rank potential number one picks uh, over the last ten years? And I think there was only two guys ranked ahead of him. One was uh, Anthony Davis and one was Zion Williamson. <laughs> and then they plugged Cade Cunningham into the three spot as wow. far as uh, one one picks 1-1. One, one. That's crazy, and, uh, and and I'm actually glad to hear that from you, Ace. And also, we won the lottery this year. There's no chance we're going to win the lottery two years in a row. I know Detroit. I'm done with the lottery. Get me out and get me into the playoffs with Cade Cunningham leading this franchise for the next 15 years. Let's sign him to a Supermax right now. Yeah. Okay, um, so moving on from number one overall, everyone knows the Pistons have a handful of second-round picks. So we have pick number 37 pick number 42, and pick number 52. Um, We could look at some prospects there, but for the time being, I think it's well known that the Pistons have a lot of roster spots used up, and so they're looking to package um, either two of those or with a pick next year or all three, or they're looking to package some of those picks and maybe move up towards the latter half of the first round, and there is some contenders that that have some cap spot tied up that are looking to move back, so... um, assuming we move back up into the 
I want to say like 17 to 30 range. I know that's a wide range, but maybe it's 20 to 30, 22. Um, assuming we trade up and move to that spot, who are some names that you guys would target as trading Troy Reaver? Yeah, so I got a couple guys. Um, I think my favorite kind of mid-range guy is Cam Thomas. He was the 19-year-old shooter from LSU. He lit it up against Michigan in the tournament. Um, he's an offensive spark plug. I think uh, his floor is like a Lou Williams-type offensive style game. Six-man comes off the bench, and he can just score. So I like him a lot. Another guy I like a lot is Miles McBride. Now, he's a point guard, so I don't know if that would be a positional fit for us. But he's 6'2 with a 6'9 wingspan, and he went to West Virginia. Deuce. Yes. Nickname Deuce. Yeah, so he's just going to get in your face on defense and get those lanky arms all over you. And then two other guys that are interesting to me, Ayo Dusunmu and Isaiah Todd. Um I'm, I'm assuming you guys all know Dasunmu, but he went to Illinois. Very clutch player there. Then Isaiah Todd shafted Michigan out of going there. He's a 6'10", 220 power forward. He can shoot. Problem is he's going to get bullied like a little baby inside until he puts it on weight. But those are kind of four mid-range guys I'm targeting. Todd would be a later first round. And then I think Thomas, Dasunmu, and Deuce are going to be either high teens yeah. or early 20s. Yeah, so I'll go real quick and then I'll pass it to Ace. I had Io Dasunmu on my list as well. Athletic point guard is kind of a position of need. Um, the other guy I have on here is Jalen Johnson from Duke, and he might be might be a little bit of a, a reach and a grasp to, to get him to fall to us, but he was a guy the first couple weeks in college. I know Duke had a bad year, but it wasn't because of him. That dude was mm. dominating. He was nasty. Um, I know he, uh, he opted out of the season eventually to prepare for the draft. I think with the way Duke's season was going, that was in the best interest for him um, and, and moving forward. But that dude was nasty. I want to say 6'9", 6'10", small forward. But in the in today's game, he can play that forward spot, three or four. So either one. So I like that. And then the other one, the other guy I just wrote down is draft and stash. I, did, I intentionally didn't write a name. I'm totally happy taking a random guy from out in uh, Uzbekistan, like a seven-footer that can shoot and run the court. No clue who that could be. He might not even be on the mock draft board. Dumboya, for example. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great, actually. Draft and stash is my last guy. So, Ace, who you got? All right, so I, I looked uh, looked through the uh, rankings here, and so we're talking about uh, the Wings' second-round picks, 37, 42, and 52. Pistons, Pistons. Or Pistons, yeah. sorry. <laughs> so, obviously, we don't want – Three new guys. We don't want to draft three second-rounders yeah. um, because they're not going to play and they're not going to be on the roster. So, uh, quite frankly, we really need to package two or all three of those and get up into the first round. So, um, the guys that I'm looking at, I want the guys that can shoot the ball. All right? So, originally I was thinking, you know, what about this Corey Kispert uh, from Gonzaga? Uh, one of the best three-point shooters, maybe the best shooter in college basketball. But then I just, you know, I compare him – and, and Luke Kennard keeps flashing through my head. Except worse. And, uh, he was a bust for the Pistons. Uh, I think we unloaded him on the Clippers, and he barely played uh, for the Clippers once he got there. And he's making, uh, I think they signed him, I think he's making $15 million yeah. a year. Yeah. So uh, I kind of shied away. And, Corey, sorry, but, you know, I compare you to Luke. The guy that I'm looking at, uh, I'm gonna before I share his name, I'm going to tell you about him. He's a 6'9 forward, hmm. shot 50% from the floor, 43% from downtown. He averaged 11.3 points for a Virginia team that likes to take the air out of the ball. He was originally a transfer from Rice. 
Uh, played uh, one season so far with Virginia, and his name is Trey Murphy. Mm. So he's a forward, 6'9 forward. Uh, but what I like about him is uh, 43% from downtown. So yeah. if you're looking for somebody to pair up with Cunningham, you know, dishing at the line, uh, this guy can knock it down. So that's a guy that uh, rankings anywhere from 25 to 30 range right now, which I think is realistic for us uh, if, we, if we package some of them second-round picks. Yeah, I like that shout. And then uh, two other guys I like. If we move to, to kind of the 30 spot or if we keep that 37, let me give you two point guards because that's my favorite position. Bones Highland from VCU. I think everyone know, everyone that's been following mock drafts and kind of draft coverage by now knows it. He went to the NBA draft combine, played the first day, and he absolutely shone like a superstar, and then he just didn't go. He was like, yeah, okay, like everybody saw that. I'm done. I think I'm good. His agent was thrilled. Made a bunch of money, I'm sure, there. So Bones Highland is a guy, athletic guard from VCU. He can shoot it as well. And then Jason Preston, a point guard from Ohio University, the Bobcats. He actually gave up basketball before he started playing at Ohio um, and was just going to give it up altogether and then picked it back up because he loved it so much. Um, and now he could be a first-round pick. So what, um, I think that's an awesome story. Do you know his size? Because I think I remember him being very small in the tournament. He's very skinny, yeah. but he's still like 6'3"-ish. Okay. So um, he just needs to put on some weight. Yeah, very skinny. He's got a big head of yep. hair, too, that adds a couple inches. Certified, so you forgot to factor that in. Certified bucket getter. So, Evan, let me get this straight. Yeah. Killian Hayes, point guard. 2020. Yeah. Cade Cunningham, point guard. 2021. Cunningham's and the two guys you want are point guards? What are we going to do with them? We're going to do pace and space, boys. Uh, the, the the fewest amount of big men possible. I always have a – I was a little guy playing, so I got a soft spot for the little guys. Um, and I know we need a point guard, um, even though I'm still high on Killian Hayes. Um, but that's my guy, Bones Highland, Jason Preston. Um, I believe and, Curly Neal played point, too, if we want to add another one. Yeah, another I, I, hey, I like that as well, Ace. So um, – we got the draft coming up Thursday. It's going to be awesome. Any last notes before uh, we shift from the draft and on to Major League Baseball? Yeah, I'm hearing uh, Corey Kispert is likely to the Pacers. Just wanted to throw that in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, that's, a, that's a pick I could definitely see happening. Um, awesome. Well, now we'll transition over to Major League Baseball, and we'll talk a little bit about the Detroit Tigers. And I know we let off at the top talking about Tigers on a little bit of a losing streak, right? We just lost three straight on the road to Kansas City. We play Minnesota tonight. Hopefully, we can right the ship a little bit. Oh, we um, will. So, we lost to the Powerhouse Royals <laughs> for, I believe, our seventh straight loss on the road. Yeah. Yeah. And and before that, though, we had won two straight series. Didn't we do two straight sweeps at We home? won seven in a row. Rangers that. and... I know all, these, all the teams are not great, but... Seven and three in our last ten. That's what you... <laughs> exactly. That's that's positivity. Yeah. That's a stat I should have had. Yeah. Um, that's what you're going to get with a team in the situation we're in, where we're on the... We're not re... We are rebuilding, yeah. um, but we're not tanking. Do you know what I'm Correct. saying? Um, and so when we're in that middle spot, we had been the last couple of years. So you're going to get that. Uh, but I think for the purpose of this conversation, let's talk about the MLB trade deadline that's coming up on Friday this week because there's been a lot of action. I know the Rays traded for Nelson Cruz. I think they made one other small deal as well. Um, there's been a, there was a trade today. The Padres acquired Adam, Adam Frazier, Frazier from the Pirates. Um, there's rumors going around all over the place. Jose Barrios is being monitored uh, by, by some teams. So uh, there's rumors going around everywhere. But for this conversation, 
Guys, who do we see as the one player on current roster most likely to get traded for the Detroit Red Wings? Uh, Tigers. Um, Detroit Tigers. Yeah. Sorry about that. A lot of Red Wings on the brain. No, you're, <laughs> you're fine. So I think uh, there's probably four, but I know we're just going to go one at a time here. So I'll go with the most obvious one, and that's Jonathan Scope. Um, he's raking this year as a hitter. Um, he, he's serviceable at second. Not great. He's not horrible. But, and he can also play first. Um, the only problem with him is he has no team control, his expiring contract. And also, I I think he's good on our team. Like, I don't know if I want to trade. I don't want, I know I don't want to trade him. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I know the Tigers have lost three in a row, but that stretch where we won seven games was the most fun Tiger baseball I've gotten to watch in the last five years. And I think Scope is good for this team to kind of lead these young guys, um, and I, I can probably say that about a couple more people that we're going to bring up here. But I think he's probably the most likely one to get traded just because of the bat. Um, I know there's a lot of contenders with weak second baseman right now. So if you can instantly plug in a, a 280 bat with some pop, yeah. I mean, that, that's a vital piece. Yeah. Uh, but if he does get traded, I don't think we'll get like a, a good prospect, really. We'll get maybe one that has the potential to be an MLB player. So that's why I'm just kind of like, eh, I don't, I don't know if I want to let him go. I think he's, he's good for our team now. Yeah, a couple, a uh, couple quick thoughts on, on scope. So a couple things to maybe add to your most likely to get traded. This year, scope recently changed his representation to Scott Boris, um, in that team. So they usually are looking for some kind of payday. So, um, and then, um, adding to your thought on maybe you don't really want to trade him, um. I'm of that irk too. So I came up with a list of Tigers. Scope is not on my list because I think that I want him on this team next year on a two-year deal. Um, and I want him around the team. I know he's shown interest in the last couple weeks saying he's having the most fun that he's had in, in ages. And there was a quote from Alex or uh, uh, Alavila, Aces boy, where he was talking about um, Jonathan Scope and the prospects of trading him. And the quote was, Hey, has there been any conversations on re-signing Scope? That was from the media guy asking Alavila, and he his answer was, "I appreciate you asking that, uh, but I wouldn't tell you if there was nego- any negotiations." And then he followed it up with, "That is a good question, though." So that's where I stand on Jonathan Scope. Ace, who's your player? All right, so double A, Alex Avila. Alavila, <laughs> I called him Alex too. Alavila, it's time to shine, baby. The trade deadline. The problem is, yeah. when you polish a turd, it doesn't matter how much you polish that turd. That some bitch ain't gonna shine. No, it ain't gonna shine. No. All right. So you know, if I'm the GM though, I'm sitting in my chair and I'm looking at, uh, you know, we got this Grossman guy, right? Yeah. Strikes out a lot, but one thing he does is he gets on base. He's yeah. got a, a lifetime 3.48 on base average. Teams are looking for that. He's a veteran. He's helped bring along some of the other guys. And then you got two dependable pieces right now in the bullpen. You got Jose Cisnero and you got uh, the All Star Soto. Yep. Um, those two guys and Grossman are, are three guys that I'm looking at. So I'm going to transition a little bit. It's not about who we're going to trade, it's about who we're going to trade for. All right. So I'm shifting gears here a okay. little bit. All right. I'm intrigued because I don't know where this is going. Okay. My candidate is. Uh, a guy, a 24-year-old pitcher for the Houston Astros. His name is Christian Javier. He's a right-handed pitcher. 
He's averaged a K an inning last year, 12 games uh, pitched, 5 and 2 record, 3.48 ERA. This year in 22 games out of the bullpen, 3 and 1 with a 2.82 ERA. In the regular season, he's pitched 76 innings and given up 43 hits. He's a starting pitcher right now that Houston can't put in their rotation. Mm. They need back end bullpen help. I don't care if you trade Grossman, Cisnero, and Soto. Go get this guy. He's 24 years old. He's a guy that will be a piece for the next 10 years. Did you say Soto? And he'll fit right in to our um, rotation. He's a guy. Remember the name, Christian Javier. He's got a nasty... Al, if there's any fucking chance you're listening, pick the guys you want. Don't pick a, Don't pick the guys you want to get rid of. Pick the guys you want to go after and get them. Look at Iserman. He does it. Christian Javier has a nasty changeup. So I actually like that player. Not too sure about that direction, Ace. Um, but I like the idea. I like the idea. The idea is there. So for me, I identified a player on the roster I thought would get traded. So the first guy I wrote was none. I don't think Avila's going to make any moves. But second guy I wrote is Willie Peralta. I don't think we're going to get anything for him. But I can see us trading him to some team that's just looking to add arms with life that can breathe and walk around uh, for some random minor league piece. So I don't think we're going to make any big trades. But that was the guy I wrote down, Willie Peralta. So let me ask you something, because i seen the eyes roll when I brought up Soto. Gregory Soto, left-handed yeah. pitcher, just went to the All-Star game. His value is as high as it can be, right? Never going to be any higher. Do you trust him closing the game in the ninth inning? One run lead in the playoffs. Do you trust him? I, tr- I mean, who uh, over any other alternatives right now? Yeah, I trust so, him no, setting up. It's not over. Do you trust him? Yes. Pitching against the Red Sox, Game Seven of the playoffs in the ninth inning. Yes. Okay. If you can answer it that way, because I don't, so I want to go get somebody that I can trust. Who do? And Javier is a starting pitcher that doesn't have a job in Houston, and 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 you can't just pick a guy and not give them something of value, right? They need bullpen help. We have two guys, Cisnero and Soto. Package one of them with Grossman and go get a starting pitcher. I think my argument is trading Soto. Soto is more valuable than Javier. And so if we're going to do that trade, I would need more is, is kind of my argument there. They're getting an all-star closer that's team controllable for four more years, which is expensive to come by. Um, so I, I love the idea. I like Javier. I lo- I want to add starting pitching arms, but I think that, that I need to workshop on that one a little bit. Um, I'm going to need more from the Astros. And I think we should have some dirty notes on the – I mean, we got A.J. Hinch. He's got to know where the bodies are buried in Houston to demand a ransom. Yeah. So I, I think agree. we can up the ante on that one. 76 innings pitched, 43 hits with a whip of right around one. And he's pitching out of the bullpen for them. Yeah, I Long agree. Relief. I he's love. Doing, he's doing middle relief. He is, and that's a that's a become a more important role in modern baseball yes. now than it's ever been. So, um, yeah, I love the guy. I'm in. Sign me up. Not for Soto straight up, or even throwing more pieces in. Um, so I identified one player on another team that is a trade target. I would want to trade for, and who I would give up. And so my trade target. Cubs fans, perk them ears up, all right? I want to trade for Chris Bryant. I happened to go to the Chicago Cubs game this oh, no. year, or this uh, this past weekend. Chris Bryant is a loyal dude. Um, if there's any way, this is an absolute shot in the dark, 
that we could acquire him and he would agree to signing a Detroit long-term contract. We can start forking out some of that pizza money that we've been hogging for the last five, six, seven, eight, nine years um, since we started shaving off contracts. If there's any way we could trade for him and sign him, I would give up Matt Manning and more. Matt Manning, as you know, top 30 prospect in baseball, according to MLB.com. Um, he's, his stock may have diminished a little over the last year, but I think for an expiring contract and Chris Bryant, Matt Manning, plus if we want to throw in a, um, a young piece on the roster now or whatever, or some bullpen arms, maybe a Daniel Norris, like have him, or a Matt Boyd, whatever. Um, so that was my guy. I know it's a shot in the dark. I don't think it's happened, but we just don't have a ton of trade pieces now that we can move to to go get guys so it's tough to to do that but that was one i threw out there brian's got what what kind of time left on his contract he's an expiring he expired his contract expires this year the cubs are looking to move him for prospects right now because the cubs ownership is pulling an absolute Mm -hmm. they are just getting rid of everyone without resigning some of their studs i think the only way you trade for bryant is if you get one of their Minor league shortstops that you know they have a ton of them. Yeah, we have zero in yeah. the system. So yeah, unless you can get somebody packaged in with him that's got some future value. Otherwise, I'm not interested in signing a guy that's one and done. I've already talked myself into thinking we are dra- we are signing this offseason either Carlos Correa, Corey Seager, Javier Baez, or Trevor Story. So we you think we already got a can pull that off. There was a time when the Tigers were wheeling and dealing in the offseason, and that built us into contenders. There I was agree, a time. but Mike Illich ain't calling the shots anymore. It's his boy Chris, and he's leaning on double A. So, you know, for, for what that's worth, if he can pull it off, I'm all for it because, you know, as I as I've said in the past, we need a better <laughs> defensive team to support yeah. these young pitchers. Yeah, and I think if you get a guy like a Chris Bryant or a type into that lineup – with those young pitchers developing the rest of this year, maybe we can sign a couple of veteran arms next year, um, a bullpen piece. I think that's a team that competes for the playoffs. Um, so that's that's my take. Any uh, trade targets for you, Cole, before we move? Um, I'll comment on Brian first. I think that scares me a little because it reminds me <laughs> of Cabrera. Like right now we're just riding out. Cabrera is dead. He's dead. Yeah. He's got no life on the field. And we're just Oh, he's got life. No, he doesn't. He can't hit, but he's got life. He can't do anything. He can't hit. He can't field. Uh, he's great in the locker rooms. Yeah. So good congrats. What's that doing for us? It's hitting two hundred and not fielding. Um, so I think if we if we somehow got Bryant and we signed him to say like an eight year contract, we're gonna be going through the same thing. He's gonna ride out the last four three or four years of his deal and just be dead weight on the salary cap. So I don't know if I like that. Um, I, I feel like that's almost trying to rush what we're trying to do. Um, I mean, it would be fun to have him for the next three or four years, and it would make us competitive, and I could see us making the playoffs, but I, I don't think we should rush uh, rush into this. Um, but as far as kind of trade targets for me, I, I didn't do this. I should have because it was really cool to kind of look at those trade scenarios, but I didn't do a specific player. I just want if if we are trading one of our guys, I don't want a a prospect that's three years away potentially. I want either a guy who's going to make an impact now, like a younger guy, um, somewhere along that line. So like either a just turn major league ready uh, bat or a, like a prospect at the higher ranks of their system. But I, I don't want to be waiting. Um, I don't want Jackson Job to get a new best friend and be waiting 
four years for them to break into the system. So, um, but yeah, I mean, like we've said, I, I don't think we're probably going to make any moves. Um, these were cool to look at, though. I know I kind of got on your heart about the Chris Bryant one, but that was just uh, more me taking my frustrations out on Cabrera right now. <laughs> yeah, I um, I, I and I totally agree with you. I don't think we'll swing for the fences. We we don't really have the pieces or the timeline right. to do that. Um, but we do have to start rushing it eventually because before That's you know true. it, um, we, it it's it's going to be our guys' time to to start. Hey, pony up! It's time to win. Go yeah. out and win baseball games every win every series two out of three. Now um, I'm I was fully with you on the shortstop though. If we can sign one of those guys, yeah, and then like then you're looking around and you're like, hey, maybe Chris Bryant wouldn't be that bad. Now now we got a <laughs> team with like Bryant and Story or Bryant and Correa yeah. or even Bryant and Baez. Um, yeah. With all the young guys we got around, that that would be a really fun team to watch. Detroit Cubs. Yeah, the Detroit Cubs, baby. <laughs> um, awesome. So, uh, any last notes, Ace, before we move on to our next topic here? Um, awesome. So, this is one I'm excited to get to, really, because I know we talked NFL draft last week, and we broke down some of the picks that the Lions made. Um, it's just kind of shifting that time and, and focus onto the Lions, for me, has been over the last week. And so... Now we want to break down a little bit of the current Lions and look at maybe some of the newcomers and also one guy that maybe we soured on a little last year, but I'm going to try and write the ship. Let's just stick. Let's call it as it is. We've got three newcomers we're going to talk about. <laughs> yeah, and so we're going to highlight. Uh, we'll try and do this as we're leading up to the season. We're going to highlight a couple Lions players here that we want to talk about and maybe um, look at uh, spring camp and see how it's going just to get everyone involved. So... We, we picked out three guys that we wanted to talk about this week. And so I will kick it off, boys. And the guy that I want to talk about is El Jefe. No, he's not El Jefe till he earns it. El Jefe, a.k.a. Slow Cuda, a.k.a. Jeffrey Okuda. He's Slow Cuda until he shows us something to become El Jefe. El Jefe. And as you know, everyone out there, he was the number three overall pick in the draft last year. He's a cornerback out of Ohio State. And so I, we all know he, he did not have a great year, and that might be putting it lightly. Um, but think about the Lions last year as a team and as an organization, okay? In 2020, Jeff Okuda, he had no offseason because of COVID, the pandemic, right? No offseason together with his team. He was injured in minicamp, and so he missed a large portion of minicamp. The Lions were a total mess last year. We were ranked 30th in passing and 29th against rushing. And we had a lame duck coach that everyone knew coming into the year. It was, you better make the playoffs or you're out. And probably the GM's going too, if that doesn't happen too. So we had a lame duck coach, lame duck GM. Oh, and another end, we were, he was asked to play a ton of man-to-man defense, the most in the league, with no pass rush. Yeah. Okay? Um, so I'm putting that all that out there. He played in nine games because he was injured several of those games as well. So I'm just putting all that out there. Here's another stat. I mentioned he was the third over, overall pick uh, in the draft a year ago. Since 1997, there have been nine cornerbacks taken in the top five, okay? The three most recent ones, which I think are, are most relevant. The other ones were good too, but the three most recent ones. Denzel Ward in 2018 to the Browns. He's been a pro bowler. Jalen Ramsey in 2016 was with the Jaguars, mm-hmm. now with the LA Rams. Pro bowler, all pro and Patrick Peterson in 2011 with the Arizona Cardinals. All pro, pro bowler. 
That's the level that Jeff Okuda needs to get to in Detroit, and we expect him, still expect him to get to, a Pro Bowl cornerback. Um, and so I just wanted to, to throw that out there. There, though, That talent is there, all right? It wasn't like it was a really weak draft. The talent is there. He has the potential. And now I'm going to spin you into a little bit of the positivity, a little more of it. We got a new head coach this year. Everyone knows Dan Campbell. But we also got a new defensive coordinator, and that's Aaron Glenn from the New Orleans Saints. And we got a new defensive back coordinator in Aubrey Pleasant from the LA Rams. So Aaron Glenn, all you know, he was a former safety uh, pro bowler. Aubrey Pleasant was also a former DB in the NFL. New Orleans last year, Aaron Glenn's team was fifth in pass defense. And the Rams, Aubrey Pleasant's team, were first in pass defense last year. Now a lot of that is the, uh, the, the personnel they have there, but a lot of that is coaching and schemes. And so that's another positive sign towards, hey, maybe there is potential here. Um, and then Aaron Glenn this offseason was talking about, hey, what was going on last year with some of the Lions corners, in Okuda specifically. And he said when he watches tape of last year, our corners look confused and they look like they had zero confidence. And I think that's kind of a shot at Matt Patricia and the Lions coaching staff. And he, he said his number one advice to Okuda is, hey, trust yourself and confidence is crucial. And you think about young corners, young receivers, it's probably the same thing. They got to have that swag. They got to have that confidence, borderline cockiness. And so that confidence is going to be crucial. Um, he's been looking more and more comfortable in workouts with the team this, um, this or in the early part of this offseason. And one of the big things Aaron, Glenn's for, Aaron Glenn said for him is get to the next play. So when Okuda would have um, maybe he missed an assignment, missed a tackle, a ball caught on him last year, he was letting that dwell with him. Because when you think about him at the high school level and then at the college level, dude, he never – I don't know if – he didn't allow a touchdown score, I don't think, on him. Correct. So he never had to deal with that. And then you throw him into the league's worst defense with the greatest athletes in the world, and he's getting – I mean, he's getting lit up uh, because our defense is awful, no pass rush. And it's just totally different for him. And so he had to learn, hey, how to turn, put that behind him and get to the next play. So I think there's potential for Okuda this year. I still feel positive about it, that he's going to turn into that Pro Bowl, All-Pro cornerback. And so Jeff Okuda, that's our first guy on the list. Any comments on Okuda before we move to the next spotlight guy? Yeah, so I actually agreed with almost everything you said. Um, I mean, yeah, let's call a spade a spade. He was awful last year. Right. But um, uh, there's a lot of changes this offseason. I just don't think the players had fun last year. No. Um, And I was thinking as you were talking, like, he needs to get some of that swagger back. He had at Ohio State. And then you literally said that same exact thing. Um, I think... Being a little swaggy out there, knowing you're a stud, knowing yep. you're one of the best players in the league, that's crucial for yep. a corner. Um, and I mean, he is. He was the number three pick in the draft. He yeah. just needs to he needs to remember that that he was so good. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he he was awful last year. So really, there's only one way to go up. I, or well, the only way to go is up. Uh, yeah. If he, if he goes any further down, he's he's dead to me. I think Aaron Glenn and Aubrey Pleasant, two younger guys, high energy guys. Yep. Dan Campbell is yep. high energy. Younger, when you look at head coaching age, those guys are going to get the boys playing with some fire and some confidence. We may have some issues, yeah, um, offensive side. 
Defensive side as well. We got pieces. A lot of we, we probably will be the youngest team in the league if I had, had to guess. Have to be, um, and so that's an issue too. But I think playing with confidence is going to be the biggest thing for him. And I see him making a jump that second year to where in his third year he's a Pro Bowl corner, like a mainstay Pro Bowl. I so year so. three, that's how it will be. Um, now let's jump to the second guy we wanted to highlight. And Cole, you got him, I think. Yeah. So we got Michael Brockers coming over from the Rams. Um, Brockers is a 10-year vet. He had five sacks last year, but uh, most of that is contributing to uh, he had Aaron Donald on, yeah, the, yeah. on the same defensive line as him. So he's he's not really like a uber-talented D-lineman. Now, he's going to start for this wretched D-line we have over here. Now, wretched, but getting better. Yes, um, as you heard last week. Yep. We were 26th in sacks last year and 28th in rushing yards allowed. So we got a lot of room for improvement. I think where Brockers is going to help us the most is just being a mentor for these young guys. Um, we, I mean, we just drafted Anzarike. Cole's, Cole's new favorite player. Yep. We just drafted Anzarike and then Aline McNeil. And I think Brockers is going to try and take him under their wing. Because by all accounts, this guy's a hard worker. Um, he, he's not super vocal, uh, he said in a press conference this year. But he leads by example, yeah. and then when he sees something that maybe he can help you on, he's going to tell you. So I, I think uh, this is this was a good this was a good trade for us. Yeah, add a veteran on that D line, um, especially on that defense with all the young guys we got. I, I, like I said, he's not going to like set a sack record or anything, yeah. but he's just another he's another big body out there who can lead. Uh, will help lead that defense. Good mentor for the young guys. So yep. I like Brockers. I like what he's bringing to the table. Yep. Former first-round pick. Yep. Played, like you said, played with Aaron Donald. Yeah. Um, do you know if he's more of a – is he more of a pass rush defender or a run defender? Do we know on so, that? Yeah. So he's not great at either, which is oh, nice. which good. is a little scary. But what he does do, which is good for the defense we want, he sets the edge. Ah, um, okay, okay. So he's not a huge – pass rush guy yeah, yeah, yeah. but he's he's i guess he would be he eats the blocks the yes. he's a block yes. eater he um so that blocks. we can have the linebackers yep. go down and, and make the tackle and so. i think that's kind of what this defense is going to need because we're going to have uh yeah. flowers and Oquara coming off the edge yeah um so if brockers can eat a block or two that'll free those guys up who are more who are better at yeah. getting to those guys in the backfield or my boy aline mcneil who's a new yes. u.s hundred meter yes. dash champion yep. aline mcneil baseball star too <laughs> Awesome. So, Michael Brockers, I'm excited to have him, too. I think we need veteran leadership on yeah. this team, as I just talked about. So, I think that's what he brings to the table. Yep. Um, Ace, any comments on, on Brockers, or you want to take the next guy? No, I just think Brockers, like you said, the, you know, the biggest asset is he's going to bring a lot of experience to the youth that we've drafted yep. and the youth that we've got on the uh, on the front line. Yep. Oh, awesome. All right. Hey, I'm going to talk to talk to the fans about one more new guy here. This is the third and final one. And uh, if you are not aware, Matthew Stafford is no longer our quarterback. Wait, what? Did he? Yes. I heard he played high school baseball with Kershaw. Did he? Did you know that? Holy shit. <laughs> All right, I'm going to talk about Jared Goff, uh, the quarterback that we uh, traded Matthew Stafford for. He's 6'4", uh, 222. He was the first-round pick out of Cal in 2016. In 2017, he went 11-4 and as a starter. In 2018, he was 13 and three as a starter. His best season was 2018. He threw for 4,688 4, yards, had 32 touchdowns and 12 interceptions, a QB rating of over 100 there. Um, 
for his career. He's 107 touchdowns, 55 interceptions, and a QB rating of 91.5. So why did the Rams trade him? 16 interceptions in 2019 and 13 in 2020 uh, following uh, his best season. So those are the reasons that Sam McVay does not trust him uh, driving the bus in L.A. Sean McVay. So Sean McVay obviously wanted the uh, gunslinger from Detroit and uh, put a trade package together um, that that got him there. So uh, we've got uh, Jared Goff. Uh, Goff was a pro bowler in 16 and 17. Um, throw out his rookie year, and he's 42-20 and 20 as a starter. 63.4 completion percentage for his career. You know, obviously, he's got a better defense than we have in Detroit, so that has some to do with that record. But uh, the, the other thing that you look at is he's got three playoff wins under his belt uh, and, and a trip to the Super Bowl um, with the Rams as well. So looking at, uh, you know, success against the uh, NFC North, he's 4-2 and two in his career. Uh, beat the Bears two out of three, uh, beat the Packers in his only meeting, and he's won, and he split with the uh, Vikings. So uh, he's got a little bit uh, of experience there, but now he'll be our leader in Detroit, boys. And he will have a revenge game this year. The Lions play the Rams uh, yeah. this season, so that'll be fun. And if you guys are Sports Illustrated fans, you may want to check out the swimsuit issue because his wife, or his girlfriend? I think his girlfriend, yeah. Girlfriend is in the uh, Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. There you go, nice. Um, also, you might want to apply to be Goff's agent. I mean, you just yeah. read a whole bunch of stats there. A lot of good-looking stats. Um, I think the big thing I was reading about him is, um, and I mean, you heard the the stories about Goff and McVay all while they were playing together, right? Like, he, McVay started to sour on him. Hell, from the moment Goff started... They had to make a new rule, I think, because McVeigh was talking to him in the helmet up until like eight seconds before snap is when the helmet goes yeah. silent or something, or like 12 seconds. And so they would get to play in really quick so McVeigh could talk to him, make all the adjustments for golf in the headset. And so uh, there's a lot of positives and negatives, I think, that you could bring out of that. But I guess me being Mr. Positive is that, hey, golf maybe hasn't had to do a lot of things. And so I think that there's areas that he can still develop in as a player and as a quarterback and a leader for our team. So I think there is hope for Goff. Um, I'm not expecting him to come out and be Pro Bowl quarterback just with, like I said, with the lack of options kind of we have on, on offense and, um, and, and some of our youth. Uh, but, but I am expecting um, him to show us some life and show some reasons why he was a top overall pick. Uh, first rounder and a Super Bowl quarterback that's won a bunch of games and thrown a ton of touchdowns. So, so the Lions will be tied to Goff for at least the next two years. Yeah, uh, they've got an out after the uh, or prior to the twenty twenty three season if they want to use it. They'll still take a cap hit. Yeah, but uh, for all intents and purposes, Jared Goff will be the man for at least the next two years. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think this is honestly a decent situation for Goff to go to. Yeah. As weird as it sounds, coming to Detroit, um, McVay was getting tired of him. And they sent him to Detroit where he knows he has it for at least two years. Um, and I think the assumption is like all Lions fans are kind of assuming he's he's just holding the position for now. But, I mean, maybe on a real off chance he turns into like a, a good quarterback. Yeah. Um, but he his expectations are not high in Detroit. Um, he doesn't have the defense he had in L.A. leading him to all those wins. He he. His receiving core is nowhere near as good as it was in L.A. Um, so, I mean, I think expectations are pretty low 
for the Lions this year. Um, we're just trying to get a building season almost. And uh, it, I think it can go two ways for Goff, depending on how he comes in with his mindset. He can use it as an opportunity of like, hey, boys, let's go. Let's prove everyone wrong, which is what I think we're going to do. Or he could just kind of be like, well, a good team traded me. Now I'm on Detroit. So uh, let's hope we get the first golf and not the uh, pouty golf. Well, you, you just hope that he wears that chip on his shoulder well. I mean, you think about this from his perspective, yeah. right? Uh, he made the playoffs three of his five years in L.A. And, you know, went to a Super Bowl. And now he got traded for Matt Stafford. And how many number ones? Two. Yeah. Two, two first rounders and a second maybe okay so you know that is a slap in the face and he's thinking here you know i've got three playoff wins i've been to the super bowl matt stafford's never won a playoff game in his life right and he's also so, how old is where the chip he's, he's not super where old. the maybe chip like, he was he was drafted in 2016 i was gonna say like 26 28 yeah he's probably young he's i don't think he's 28 even so and he's way younger than Stafford. So, yeah, I agree. And by all accounts and everything I've read so far, it's that he is wearing the chip on his shoulder, and he's wearing it proudly. Um, and yeah. so that's what you like to hear. Um, he's 26. Yeah, just, 26 just years old. So, that, I mean, that's that's so young. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, I think like you talked about, it should be an interesting year. I, I just hope we can prove the doubters yes. wrong on our prediction for this season yeah um, and, and so that's all you can hope and pray for yeah and and i know it sounded like i was upset when talking about that yeah. but i i was in the uh the corner of hey it's probably time to move on from stafford he's done everything he can here we just we don't have the team built around him to be successful and i think we got a really good deal with uh i mean we have a quarterback who's 26 been to a super bowl i i'm not expecting him to be that great but he's a guy who we can play that's not David Blau. Yeah. So uh, and plus the draft capital. So I mean I'm ex- I'm I'm excited in a way to just see like Goff go out there and play when he doesn't have McVay breathing down his neck every time because I got a feeling Dan Campbell is going to be on like he's just going to support and he's going to be probably Goff's biggest hype man. So yeah. uh, I'm excited to watch some Lions football. Um, I don't know how great we'll be, but I'm excited to watch it. Yeah, and this has been cool going back and starting to look at, at the Lions players. We'll continue doing this going forward. So appreciate all of you for listening. Um, again, shout out to uh, Dirty Mike. Yeah, Dirty uh, Mike. For, for winning the draw, and um, and thanks, everyone, for, for listening. So to wrap up, um, I, I know we had a lot of fun today. Excited for what we could be talking about next week. Yeah, We're going to be reviewing the Pistons draft, who we took one overall and who we're trading for. We're going to be talking about who our boy Al Avila went out and traded or did not trade and what that means for the Tigers going forward. We'll touch on NFL news and notes around the league. Breaking news, Aaron Rodgers is a drama queen. Yeah. And then uh, finally, we'll continue our Detroit Lions position previews and we'll touch on some predictions maybe for the upcoming year for the Lions. But boys, it's been fun. It always is. Um, it's so enjoyable. Any last notes before we, uh, before we shut it down? Uh, no, this, I mean, this is going to be one of the greatest weekends in sports almost with the NBA draft Thursday Look and, at you. and MLB trade deadline Friday. So Olympics. I'm, uh, yeah, we got the Olympics going on. So I'm very excited for this weekend and I'm going to have a lot of stuff to talk about next Tuesday. That was an interesting sell job. Greatest weekends in sports. I'm not totally buying it, but I love the enthusiasm. Yeah. Awesome. I just can't wait to see how double A makes our tiger team better for now <laughs> and in the future. I love go, it. Ace. Go get them out. I love Lease it. Them. Lease them, baby. Go get them, Al.
And on that note, everyone, we will talk to you next time. This has been Detroit versus everybody. Hit it. Detroit, Michigan. Oh, yeah. Detroit, Michigan. Yeah.